You've been shitting in my yard. I have not. Your dog. Okay, I saw you. There is a sign there. It says no shitting. It says that? It's a... It's a picture. Okay, it's like a little poop with a... That's what it means. Well, yeah, I didn't see it. You shouldn't need a sign. What is wrong with you? Welcome to the Nomcast, the Netflix original movie podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Morgan. You can follow the show at NomcastPod on Twitter and Instagram, or you can follow me at Jokes on Drew. Okay, hope everyone is all right out there. I know staying home can suck at times and can drive people a little insane. I'm getting there myself. Uh, some people would say I was there before this virus shutdown happened, so I guess that is up for debate. And of course, if you aren't going crazy yourself, there are always people around you in your neighborhood or your town that just make you want to lose all faith in humanity. I'm looking at you, toilet paper hoarders. Maybe you want to smack them around because people can frankly be assholes. So that is why this episode is the aptly titled I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore, a movie that came out in 2017 but feels so perfect for right now. It's all about feeling like the world is going to shit and wanting to not feel powerless anymore. You know, maybe have a little control over the chaos. Sound familiar? And better still, this movie is funny, violent, and full of terrible haircuts, just like the one... I have right now. Stupid quarantine. But here, to help me break down this movie and give you every last detail on the cast and crew, is our most frequent guest, a hilarious woman whose lifestyle and personality screams out to watch this movie. I speak, of course, of comedian Mel V. Mel has been on the pod many, many times, including our incredibly popular Bird Box episode, you can follow Mel V on Twitter at Last Known Tweet or on Instagram at Last Known Photo. For more info on Mel's comedy dates when the clubs eventually reopen, God help us, go to melvcomedy.com. Okay, thanks again for listening. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast, the Nomcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. And be sure to check out all our past episodes. We have over 50 in the can. Go back and check them out uh, if you're catching up on all your streaming right now. All right, so let's get down to it. Here it is. I don't feel at home in this world anymore with comedian Mel V. Give it a listen. That's what we like. Keeping it positive here. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Wasn't our theme positivity? Yes. Sorry. (laughs) Well, no, it's our usual theme of like self-deprecation, hating people and everything else, which is why, Mel, when I watched this movie, even just the title screamed Mel V. <laughs> so I was like, oh, can I, I can't wait you, for you to watch this. The moment you asked me if I would do this movie on the podcast, I looked at the title and I, in the back of my mind, I knew that I deserved this movie for all that I've been through. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, it, it was it was everything to me. Uh, okay, so not only does this movie have a title that screams you for being I don't feel at home in this world anymore, but that would pre, like, you know, we were in the early stages of this whole thing. Now everybody's theme should be I don't feel at home in this world anymore. And that's why I think it's now everyone's catching up to us. Like, hey, look at all these posts of like, look at what this asshole did. Look at what these, I'm like, yeah, they do it all the time. They just don't, they just didn't take your shit or didn't like put yourself in danger. Now, yep. We have a whole mantra for the rest of this time on earth. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> oh my God. And I love and at the very that least. I say that again. I don't feel at home in this. 
I was going to say at the very least, I don't feel at home in this house anymore <laughs> with all these people. It's true. It's so many people here. I know. Every, every room has been repurposed. Like you said, like it's like, here's the classroom. This was the kitchen. Now it's, oh. you know, my my home office is that I worked so hard on is now a kid's playroom. It's like, uh, no, it isn't. Get out of my house. Yeah. Yeah. What a drag. Why yeah. do we have kids? Um. So, like I said, so this movie uh, screamed you, and then I watched it, and I the even the experience, like just watching the first probably 10, 15 minutes is just how I feel all the time. Like, she's on pills for anxiety and depression, which, guilty, been yep. there, um, and, you know, and completely judges everybody for just these... What most people would kind of just brush off like, or move on with their life, and I'm like, no, mm-hmm. you made the worst thing ever. Like when she's in the grocery store and that guy knocks the thing over and just keeps walking, or the fi- and he just leaves it there, yeah. Or the 15 items or less thing. Oh, I'm counting. I'm counting everyone. Every time I've ever been in there, I'm like, what? What, what do we not have rules anymore? I turn to George Costanza very fast when I'm at the grocery store. Yeah, I definitely, I, you know, I definitely judge people, uh, you know, who are who are doing these things. I don't know that I, I do it outwardly. I don't get angry. But I'm I, I think part of me is sort of like, huh. And that's why you're not a very good person. That's right. You know, I'm just like, mm. so but uh, it, it is infuriating. Yeah. You know? and, and it always and it, it, what I liked about the beginning of this movie is, it always happens in one fucking day where like every single thing that happens, you're like, oh, look, another fucking asshole. Yeah. Look at this asshole. Oh, another one. Oh, another one. Sure. You know, they're just, oh. Yeah. It's always I mean, oh my God. And and it's true. It's It happens all the time. And even just reading the description in this movie, I knew that I was going to be so into this. It's like when a depressed woman is burgled, love the word burgled. <laughs> I don't like saying it. <laughs> I love it. Um, she finds a new sense of purpose by tracking down the thieves alongside her obnoxious neighbor, Artie in. Yeah. They soon find themselves dangerously out of their depth against a pack of degenerate criminals. I love this idea. It's so simple. It's so fun. The characters are so well developed in here and so quickly. Like I kept like stopping when I'd get to like a scene I like or something that I think is like a big turning point. And it was like, Eight minutes in yep. this, fifteen minutes in this. You know, like oh my god! Every and this movie is only like an hour and a half, and you know everything about everybody. You know them deeply, whether it's just by yes, uh, what they say, how they dress. You know, everything. All the little mm-hmm. details are so good, and there's like a lot of little montages the, of things that just uh, get you right to the yes. point. There's no fat. This movie, my favorite thing about this movie were all these little surprise, like sometimes it was, well, you know, and I won't get into one of my favorites, which is later in the movie, but just like, so the beginning of the movie when they were sort of highlighting all of these examples of people just being dicks and like just the worst of humanity in the smallest, most mundane ways. Right. One of my favorite examples ever because I have lived this. I, I mean, but not in the same way. I am one of those people who used to uh, bring a book to read to a bar. Right. Okay. <laughs> and I would, you know, which is not any way to meet people. No. Or to in read contra- a book, probably. <laughs> or to read a book. Um, but uh, what I what I thought was really funny was... My first thought was, you know, she's reading this book and the guy next to her at the bar is like, oh, you're reading, you know, whatever. I read that. And they start talking. And I thought that has literally never happened to me. I (laughs) like anytime I bring a book to a bar, it's more like, what's that there word? You know, (laughs) compilation. No, they wouldn't even know the word compilation. It would be like how you get all those words in that little I don't know, but it's, you know, um, but I loved that somebody, I, there's nothing I hate more than when somebody spoils like a book. Yeah. And, um, and the fact that this guy's like, oh yeah, like at the end, it turns out he's really this guy. 
you know and she's like what the fuck yeah just have a good you know, night like, and just like you yeah, fucking asshole like, Peace, i'm out of here yeah like but i loved that i loved it um and fun fact uh because you, know, you know i love my fun facts and I, yeah <laughs> the the guy in the bar is macon blair he is the guy who wrote and directed this movie and uh that's a common theme in this movie because he's not only the writer director he's the guy in the bar his the uh friend quote i'm gonna put that in quotes because she's not really a very good friend um but the the friend that uh the lead ruth goes over her house angie the one with her black husband that's macon blair's wife her name is lee Uh. eddie uh the woman who plays uh grandma sally in here uh that's robin blair that's his actual mother and then oh. there's a person who plays uh ruth's like the young version of ruth in the flashback with her aunt uh that's his actual daughter yes so there's so many people like his whole entire family is in here and it's a oh, big family affair and oh by the way uh, the music, which I think is great, like the the moods that he yes. sets, he's really good at that. And the people he works with are really good with that. I'll get to that in a second. But uh, those are his brothers. His brothers do the music oh for all the movies that he's kind of written or produced. Uh, they've done all of them, which I know. I This is my favorite part of doing a podcast with you every time. I go, did you see this? And you go, Andrew. I don't see movies and then we have a good laugh and then we go back, but I'll borrow you for a few minutes where, uh, okay. So, and I'll be like, no, I didn't fucking see this. Right. Uh, no. What is it? So Macon Blair, he is the writer of hold the dark, which we did as a Netflix movie, uh, earlier, like uh, one of the first episodes of the Nomcast we ever did. Um, and then, uh, he is also the producer of Green Room, which I love that movie. I think you would too if you're obviously into violence. But it's also like I mean, I have I have some time. Yeah, <laughs> it's a it's about like a a grimy punk band on the road that goes to a show uh, to perform, and someone gets murdered and they get trapped in the green room because the people (gasps) want to like squash the story so they try to kill them uh and like get rid of the mess basically of the murder because they're all neo-nazis isn't that great (laughs) and patrick stewart is a neo-nazi in it oh that that's that's okay yeah it's incredible that's interesting yeah wow uh so between that and this other movie blue ruin um he works a lot with this guy jeremy solner and he directed most of those movies and so in all of those movies basically the the music was all done by his brothers so the one thing i am not doing enough with my life <laughs> or with my family I guess, especially now i'm or doing either all of it right now in my house but then you know outside like, of that. yeah you know what we're not home we're not homeschooling today you're gonna write the soundtrack to this movie i just made up <laughs> that's How a about good that? call but yeah so you know but this is his first movie so even though like he r- writes a bunch for other people and he's produced stuff. And a lot of those things all have a lot of common themes, which you end up seeing manifest itself in here. It's like wild characters, crazy dialogue and horrific violence. And obviously the horrific violence kind of is intermittent to start this movie, but then it ends in such wild display oh that it turns into a Tarantino oh. movie. Oh, and like, it was my favorite kind of violence because it wasn't just like over the top yeah. for no reason, but it when it got bad, it got real bad, and like to the like very rare, very rarely do I watch a violent movie and go, oh, oh God, right, oh. <laughs> yeah, and like I, it was a lot of that, it was a lot of that, yeah. Uh, but man, I was like glued to the screen the last twenty minutes of this movie. Yeah. Oh my like, god. I I was I loved it. I loved I loved the movie, you know, as a whole. But um, oh, the one thing I will say about this movie, sure. and only one, because then I'll just disconnect, and that will be my only contribution sure. to the podcast. Um, <laughs> there were, you know, you were talking about the music. There were quite a few scenes in this movie where 
you know, the main character, it was either, you know, um, her or, you know, her and, and Elijah Wood or whatever. And they'd be like dancing, like in the living room or like feeling the music or whatever. Yeah. And I couldn't tell if they were hearing the music that I was hearing. <laughs> right. Like, were they listening to it like on a record player? Right. Or like, was the music in the background and they were listening to something else? Like, I wasn't... I give indie... I don't know. I couldn't... I give indie movies a pass on that only because a lot of times they'll be like, we want this song to be in there. And then they go, wait, it costs how much to put that song in this movie? This budget is only like $5 million. What are you talking about? Um, so sometimes they'll do that. I think they probably shot their wad maybe a little bit with the end song because it actually is the had the, the title the, the title track in there yeah so yeah you know which i i'd have to look up to whether that was the uh the version that most people kind of associate it with which is the woody guthrie version um but i guess it's kind of like an old folk song that's like so old that like it's no author you know what i mean like the the most recorded like version. happy birthday but not that right exactly yeah. yeah but there's so many like you know P peter paul and mary i always say to my wife are a bunch of hacks because they made a huge career out of all these folk songs or like taking other oh, folk yeah, artists that, of the day right. and doing covers and like my wife forever yeah. just thought Peter, Paul, and Mary was the greatest songwriters in the world. I'm like, no, all they do is other people's fucking music. They're hacks. Go away. Puff the Magic Dragon is the only thing they ever came up with. Take that. Uh, which I performed for my kindergarten talent show. Of course you did. <laughs> which is probably the uh, version you're most familiar of with. Of course, yes. <laughs> it's on a 45 yes. right next to me right now at all times. Yeah. Yeah, but I couldn't I couldn't tell sometimes if like if the music was playing in the background or in the scene itself. I but, hear you. Um but I thought I thought the music was great, like awesome soundtrack and like there were just so many little nuggets and you know, phrases in this movie that as I was watching it, I had to take a minute to write things down and and I realized like I'm literally just like rewriting the movie. Yeah. <laughs> like word for word. I love it when um, I do the poll quotes when, thing and it's just like a page of itself oh my god but so many little gems elijah wood's character uh tony first of all the fact that he has a rat tail oh yes just, oh i like and those glasses just so he was he was perfect i actually but know a person who's so much like him but like the older version that it's like oh. terrifying like has glasses has the rat tail listens to like heavier music kind of a loner people think he's obnoxious like i have those people in my life and so this guy really sung to me yeah oh my god and like i feel like i've known that guy too and like every time he he has uh uh throwing stars yes that's always a part of the look i love that's always part of and it and then also knows the actual name and background to every weapon that he's using <laughs> like even the fact that he was like he said oh, yeah so he said like oh do you know what a morning star is to her and i was like oh is he is he calling the ninja stars morning stars like i didn't get it at first and then like i yeah. looked up because i that weapon he has when they go to the house where the laptop is that's when he had the mace thing? So, so the mace that thing is a morning star i had no idea i just thought it was a oh. mace so oh. the so the throwing stars are just throwing stars and then morning star is the mace on a chain basically got it i know okay well now we know and i love that like the guy who got the mace to the face i love that it was like his own fault I, like that's how dangerous they are. So all right, so uh, now that we're getting like a little bit deeper into the movie, uh first and foremost, I want to say that this movie is so well casted. It is so deep. Like I It's I, perfect. It's perfect. It, what they did, which I like is not a lot of character actors or people who are known for being character actors get their shot at being the lead. Very often. And Melanie Linsky yeah. is a person I've seen. Like, we're, I think we're close to the same age as Melanie Linsky. And she was a 16 year old, I believe, when she first started. And I first saw these movies. I saw these movies like in, like, around the same time that it was her age. 
Uh, so she first starred in Heavenly Creatures. Have you seen that? I've heard of it. Okay, it's her and I mean, it does was, that count? It was Kate Winslet, one of her first movies too. It's directed by Peter Jackson, or it's an older film. Uh, it's from the night. So in the nineties, she was a teenager. She was in Heavenly Creatures, The Frighteners, um, which as a small role. Uh, in her twenties, uh, she was in Ever After, that uh, fairy tale movie with uh, Drew Barrymore as the lead in that. I don't know if you remember that one. Oh yeah, she, no. She was also in the shitty Kiss movie, Detroit Rock City, uh, where she plays Beth. Oh Barry. yeah, I did see that. Yeah, I did see that. Yeah, it's bad. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah. She was also in Coyote Ugly and Sweet Home Alabama. I saw that also. Yeah. Okay. So she's in no, a lot of these, you know, like kind of cheekies. I'm 20 and in, you know, mm-hmm. doing these kind of like little side characters that she's, she kind of gains notoriety for along the way. And then in her 30s and 40s where she is now, like she was in Two and a Half Men for like 12 seasons. She was done there forever. She did a lot of oh TV. Oh my God, no. She was with your boy, Ugh. Mark Duplass. Uh, she played his husband Ugh. in Togetherness on HBO uh, for seasons on, uh, multiple seasons there. She was in Castle Rock, if you're watching the Stephen King show of that. Um, and then she was in a couple of indies that I really like, Up in the Air with George Clooney and uh, Win Win with one of my other that. favorite character actors of all time, Paul Giamatti, uh, who went to Yale. Shout oh, out to I him. love him. Yeah, I love him too. Yeah. So she's had this long history career, except like they're all like, smaller roles like the side person like she doesn't get a lot of upfront time and she does here and she fucking kills it but i will say for my money elijah wood basically steals every scene he's in um he i have a favorite person in this movie and it's neither of them Ooh, i i would like to get to so all right because again like i said it's a very deep cast i don't blame you if you chose someone else uh we already went over a few, obviously, making Blair's the guy in the bar. His wife is uh, Angie, the really shitty friend. Um, you have. Th- oh, and shout out to the fact that Elijah Wood's dog. Well, so he when she confronts him and she's like, you know, your dog shit in my yard. Yeah. And he refers to the shit as a BM. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is one of my hugest pet peeves in the world. So I wrote on in my notes, I wrote. BM, undateable. <laughs> and then right under it, I wrote, never mind. His dog is named Kevin. Yes. He named his dog Kevin. Like, I only name my animals people names. Oh, is that true? And I was like, I would I'd marry him. I would marry him based solely <laughs> on the fact that he named his dog Kevin. Yeah. That is quite perfect. And when he yells at his dog yeah. in that scene, which I'm, uh, there's like a few notable scenes that I want to go before we get out of here on this. But the yeah. <laughs> uh, when he yells at the dog when he's in his backyard, what he yells is like the Asian, one of the Asian, like, I think it's the Chinese word for stop uh, or quiet, excuse me. Um, but it also is a different Asian language for dog. So I don't know if he was screaming dog at him or stop because I don't know the difference in the oh. languages, but they're both from like Asian orient- oriented languages. So I was like, huh, that's wild. But again, something's wildly specific, but also tells you so much about his character. Yes. Yeah. I really, oh, so good. So now I, so I have a list of a bunch of people here. I'm very curious. So who did you like the most? My most favorite person in this movie, hands down from the second she was on the screen, was Meredith. Okay. Who was the Chrissy, who is Chris, Chris Jr., who's the guy who steals, you know, all of of her shit, you know, to sell for drugs or whatever. Yeah. And, uh... You know, she goes to his house to track him down, and and she's met with his stepmother, she, Meredith. She is the best. Unbelievable. She answers the door, and they're, like, pretending to be to be police, and she's like, I don't even care if you are. Like, yeah. come on in. Like, we're going to... You guys want tea just, and sandwiches? Yeah. Oh, my God. And then... Uh, uh, and we find out that Tony... Well, 
So, you know, she's like, oh, I can make you a cappuccino. And, you know, so she makes him this cappuccino. And he's like, oh, this is really good. You know, I used to work at Borders. I used to work at Borders. <laughs> oh, nice. And, uh, and I worked in the music department. But sometimes uh, I would have to cover in the cafe. Yeah. And I didn't know how to make any of those drinks. Um, so what I would do is when people would order a drink... I would just repeat back to them whatever they ordered, but I would always make the exact same drink, <laughs> which was like espresso, and I'd foam some milk and just hand it to them and be like frappuccino, yeah, or like cappuccino or latte, you know, or like whatever, you know. I didn't understand that shit, but I loved that uh, that he referenced borders and the cafe and all that. But the fact that she like really could have cared less who was at her door who was in her home she was just so anxious to talk to somebody that wasn't her husband yeah and i just i loved her and then later when you know when they go back and and you know violence ensues she's she doesn't put down her drink (laughs) she's holding her drink like the entire time and it's just it's it's incredible yeah her her character is incredible in every way and She's the unsung hero too for uh spoiler section, I guess we can start now. Is uh when she's you know, she evades the violence that happens at the end and she gets into the police and she doesn't rat. She doesn't rat no, on no. Ruth. And that is because the biggest deep thing. Down, yeah, because deep down she appreciated that conversation. She oh well, because uh, one of the scenes that I did want to go over is like a very poignant moment later in the movie when ruth kind of stands up to the husband uh christian senior and you know there's this exchange talking about our uh our little poll quotes thing uh which is one of my things uh ruth goes you know like he offers her money and she goes i don't want to pay off and he goes well then i'm confused what do you want he said for people to not be assholes and i was like yes that is the mantra of this entire movie and it's said at the absolute perfect time yeah but then i i want to say it was either that scene or a different one where his response was something like well anyone could be an asshole if you let them oh yeah i took the whole thing you know yeah because she says you can't do that to people when she's talking about his son and she or or anyone can yeah and she's like you say that like it means something look i don't condone my son's behavior but anyone could do anything if you let them welcome to the world yeah she says i see why he turned out like he did so like she's kind of like putting a mirror up to like all these people even though they're horrific violent criminals or just complete jerks uh and that's why it's nice that they had kind of you can tell in this movie even though it's written and directed by a man like a lot of the 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 critics reviews or a lot of the people who wrote about this movie back when it came out in 2017 was that like basically it's a gender flip movie and i'm like Mm. because a lot of times if you're writing a movie like this say it's a you know a tarantino movie or something like that very rarely are the guys the take charge people or and in fact the movie that this uh this one is very very much kind of like a companion piece to is the movie falling down uh with michael douglas that one's from like the mid 90s oh oh yeah oh my god i remember he's like a disgruntled person and he's fired or something yes. happens and he kind of yes okay yeah I and, remember he, that. and he like look shoots. i saw a movie i know i'm so proud of you <laughs> i did it but so yeah that's an old Joel I saw Schumacher. a movie that i was gonna say i saw a movie that didn't star goldie hahn <laughs> look at that is that your go-to i only know your music taste more than and obviously your true crime notion oh my god yeah it's 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 this weird like it's some my my mother is responsible i don't know how it happened but my go-to if i'm alone i just default to like goldie hawn movies or or the movie bird on a wire or the movie baby boom or whatever no my number one is um is uh uh overboard overboard and okay number two number two is house sitter house sitter interesting see i was gonna say mm-hmm. uh because knowing you i'm like you don't give a shit about sports so it's probably not wild Ooh, cats which private I do. benjamin that's a good one oh. yeah 
Yeah. So all the ones that yeah, yeah Kathleen. I mean, so much to choose from. Oh yeah, she yeah. she's the best, and and that's why it's no shock that yeah. I also like Kate Hudson for a lot of the same reasons. Oh yeah. Oh my god. Or the movie Baby Boom, which I could watch just repeatedly forever. That was a on all the time HBO movie from back in the day that I just would always be on was Baby Boom. Oh, yeah, and like the the song and like just so many shoulder pads. It's just such an empowering movie. I love it. I've been watching so many eighties movies. But like I said, so like the actual writer director basically said that this was a companion piece to falling down. And I was like, absolutely it is. It's basically like female yeah, falling down. It totally it, works. Except I would say, I don't know when the last time you saw Falling Down was, but it's got a lot of stuff that is like kind of cringeworthy now in terms of like, you know, oh. the racism stuff or like some other things that like, you're like, <laughs> sure. I don't want to watch this part. Uh, but at least with this movie, there's no part where I don't like sit there and kind of agree with her. I'm like, yeah, people are just dicks. And they're dicks all the time. They're selfish dicks. They're toilet paper hoarding dicks right now. There's always some version that you could just yeah. go, yeah, they're all dicks. But it's not. But what's interesting, too, is they're dicks at all different levels. Yes. Okay, so you have the lowest level dick who's like some guy who steals your computer and your grandmother's silverware. Right. Then you have his father who's, who's considered successful and wealthy and all that. He's a dick. Yeah. Then you have the... You know, sort of the middle class people at the supermarket who are dicks for completely different reasons. And then you have the detective that, you know, law enforcement who's responsible for managing all these dicks. And he's a dick. So it's like all the levels of dickdom. Well, because it's all selfishness of different degree. It's absolutely it's like you're in your own little world, like even the middle class ones where you're like for all different reasons. A lot of the reasons are they have no power. They have no power in their life at all. Like, you know, they're in some medial job that they're not a manager of or not in any kind of positions. They just go, you know what this person did today? Like, that's their whole conversation. It's like, yeah. So they go to the grocery store and they cut in line or they (laughs) need to steal something or they, you know, push people out of the way or take someone's cart. There's like they just do like the craziest shit because they have no power. And that's what this person's like in a way, taking back the power of her life. Well, and I loved, you know, that when she's talking to the detective and, you know, she's like, I I know who did this. I have, you know, the footprint. I know who stole the silverware and who uh, and and who did all that. And and I'm going to track him down. And he says, uh, like, the world is bigger than your silverware. Right. And then in the same breath, in the same breath, he's like, I'm going through a divorce. Yeah. Like, oh, you know yeah <laughs> like it isn't all about you it's about me right well yeah. he does lead with a guy who got his brains bashed in or something but yeah absolutely he eventually gets to what everybody gets to is like this is what i care about and that's basically what this movie right. is but then takes it to like an unreal degree uh you know so but i gotta say i mean this movie i i watched it for the second time today and it's growing on me even more. Like it's actually like just, Oh my God. It's so quick and enjoyable. And there's, like I said, to start, there's no fat on this movie. There's like little scenes. Everything has to happen for a reason. And so we went over a little bit of the, the scene at Tony's house, which I think is like the first really big, fun scene with the like we were saying with the dog and you know you're really getting to know tony as a character because he's got metal music blaring he's lifting weights he starts the conversation with i said i was sorry like he's already in mid-conversation i love that i love that kind of panic (laughs) um yeah and then also you know they no one ever kind of like does say there's or knows how to end a conversation it's just this awkwardness the whole time and it really sets the tone for like who they are at that moment versus what they are at the end yes i and i liked i liked that it was sort of that their relationship was was not defined it sort of just right was happening in real time like you're you're feeling the awkwardness yeah. you're sort of just watching it unfold and i i well you're also and feeling... i love that they're sorry. go ahead you should be sorry <laughs> um i loved that uh they both felt you know even as you know complete strangers they both clearly felt this like 
that it felt compelled to sort of seek justice on their yeah. own and you know and i just and i i really liked that i liked it well there's two things i always love suburban boredom that gets out of control and this movie is full of it and any character <laughs> yes. that has nunchucks i'm always laughing it's never not funny like like uh, like a Kenny Powers type character, like these, like just idiots who always have nunchucks, and I fucking love it. There was so much in this movie that made me laugh. There was so much. There's one. Do you remember when they go into the? Um, she goes to get the silverware back, and yeah. they go into like the big consignment place, and she's walking down this like really cluttered, tight aisle of just antiques and garbage, yeah. or whatever. And she walks by this giant carousel horse. <laughs> Do you did you see what the sign on the horse said? No. It said, "Not a real horse." <laughs> I was like, "This is the most brilliant movie I've ever seen," and and just uh, so so great, yeah, so great. Well, it seems to be the labor of love for him, I, and I feel bad that making Blair. I know he's also an actor, and he goes back and forth, but. To me, I'm like, if this is what you do with your first and only feature, and this was in 2017, I'm like, dude, make another, please, for the love of God. I mean, between he's worked with oh Netflix God. multiple times, so I hope he does another Netflix movie. That would be incredible, so I can keep eating that up. And then right out of the gate, this movie was a grand jury prize winner at Sundance. That's how it got acquired by Netflix. So it's like, dude, you have the chops. Keep making them. What the hell are you doing? Well, maybe the rest of his family is busy. That's true. He does have to have all of them all the time. Um, so it's fair. The next scene that I wanted to go over was the scene at the robber's house, which, if you want to talk like straight comedy, oh my god, my favorite things oh my in god. the world uh, are a idiots of all levels uh, trying to be smart, uh, and then also just awkward ways of getting caught out in your bullshit i love that and also again more weapons more weapons and throwing fireworks yes. at people. throwing fireworks at people will always make me laugh but you didn't like you didn't even mention my favorite part of that scene which was you know she finally you know convinces them that you know it's her laptop yeah she she's, pings the computer she's taking the laptop and um you know she's like i need the power cord and then they, you know, the girl hands her over the power cord. Love it. And, uh, and you know, they, they explain, like, we bought it from somebody, you know, we, you know, and she says, where did you get it? And the guy says, uh, she goes, give me, give me the address where you got it. Right. And he goes, I can just drop a pin for you. <laughs> and then she goes, no, write it on down. On fucking paper. <laughs> like, on fucking paper and like i can't tell you how many times in my life where somebody's like oh i could just do this and and i'm like i don't even know what you're fucking talking about just write just it on a fucking piece of i paper. know it's so easy like a human like a human being yeah you know? like i just i that made me so happy i loved that scene and again but it was yeah. it kind of emphasized the you know the slight generational gap right there and just you know it was I loved it. Well, and like I said, like the the a time and time again in this movie, Elijah Wood steals the goddamn scene for me when he, you know, it's because it starts out <laughs> where I actually played this clip uh, as part of the beginning of what my episode was a couple episodes ago, where I did like a, a preview of like what I had coming up, and I used this scene where it was them talking to that guy outside when they first approach. I don't know what the fuck that is. Okay, we don't want any trouble. My computer was stolen, and this says that it's in there. I just want it back. There's no questions. So, can you get it? I can get these nuts. <laughs> you can get these nuts? All right, tough guy. You had your chance. Oh, jeez. <laughs> And then when he goes inside, he do, he goes in there waving the, that thing, immediately throws a ninja star into the wall, 
and then throws fireworks into an adjacent room, like one of those poppers, like flashbang things. Oh my god! But the best part was when they're leaving, and he, and he has goes to, pull to it retrieve out of the, the star. And he put so he's struggling to get out of the wall, and, he, and then he finally does, and he goes, "That's how hard I threw it." Yeah. <laughs> he has to point out that that's the reason it was so difficult is because that's how hard he threw it's it. It's unbelievable. That whole scene, like I said, it was start to finish, everything is so good. Uh, the scene at the consignment. Oh. oh, go ahead. Oh well, consignment store. The other the other scene I liked was, you know, I I remember having the the guy who owns it is. Uh, is uh playing with the keyboard when they walk up you like music and he's you like music and he's like you know listen to this uh he's playing them all the, the little presets. demo tracks so all the little good. presets and everything uh that was my most favorite thing about having a keyboard in the 80s so i was like yeah this guy gets it he gets it and then also goes oh so so you, you don't like music why you didn't have yeah. to lie <laughs> it's just so dry that i absolutely loved it that guy was amazing the guy that they called the dracula looking motherfucker and they were dead on with that because he was a wild wild looking guy um but then yeah to knock that dude out in public with the silver uh or like hit oh, him and then, it, and then he, he breaks that her finger oh, right out in the parking lot oh like bends it oh. in a way that is oh, not so not yeah natural no. at all um no so yeah so that scene i absolutely love because it 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 not only tells a whole lot but it's <laughs> bitterly entertaining uh by everybody involved um the next one uh, we obviously started was the the confrontation of the parents uh between your favorite character to start where I want to give a shout out to Elijah oh, Wood in that one for not only obviously you enjoyed the the borders scene, but or the borders part of the conversation. But in that conversation, you can tell that let they let him just go off on like a reel of like all the things he can do with shapes in the foam. Because he's like he's he oh my leads God. with you yeah. know I I just made like you know a centaur <laughs> you know like he's making shit up and you yeah. can tell he's just like throwing things yeah. out wildly and they're all like amazing and they go back and forth and she's like "Ooh, yeah uh-huh and like they're just having this exchange that goes like way too long but it's so funny uh, like because it needs to happen because then- she's like uh trying to get down to business and he's just all about yo i made these tea leaves <laughs> when her husband gets home chris senior yeah and he with his security guard yes. or whatever and his security guard is like uh what was it massage room clear yeah. <laughs> walden pond room clear yeah i was dying i was dying like so great and so great and she's so petty when he gets home that like it's uh, their relation you know everything about their relationship from how she was from the start to end of that scene she she's amazing I agree. She's a very, very yeah, good it, character. Just anytime she was on the screen, I enjoyed it. What I loved was um, one of my favorite Elijah Wood lines was when they first leave the house after the first meeting Yeah, uh, there. And um, uh, R- Ruthie uh, steals the, the lawn, lawn tiger. tiger. Yeah. And Elijah Wood's like, you're not taking that. You know, don't take that. You know, put it back. And she throws it in the car. And he looks at her and just with a, a serious expression, he's like, "That that wasn't your lawn. Your that's not your lawn tiger." Yeah, he's like, "If I knew that this is where this was heading, I would have never been." <laughs> like he he turns into such a like a he's a sap like all the time. He's like just trying to find yeah. justice. <laughs> but then later, when they're back, you know, before you know the the big violent scene, um, Meredith, you know, she's like. You stole my lawn tiger. <laughs> yeah, so she's like, not, yeah, she's less concerned, and she's like, "And you're holding a gun to me." She's like, "I know, I know. I'm sorry. I, I, oh, like just you know, wrong place, wrong yeah. time. Just you know, I don't. I wasn't supposed yep. to be here today. It has that energy. It has the clerks. I wasn't even yes, supposed to be here yes. today. Energy. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, hold Absolutely. up. But I love that she didn't. I love that she didn't forgive her for the tiger. Oh yeah. And then, yeah. and then, obviously, that you know, right after that, leads into the standoff in the house, which is what we were starting to talk about. Oh my god! This 
And Ugh. like the the end end where uh, the actual death of Marshall and all that stuff is a fun scene, but obviously it's kind of just like a chase and survival thing with the snake and everything else. And well, first of all, no, sure. it's literally the only time I, that is the only situation I can imagine where doing crew in high school <laughs> would prove to be useful. Yeah. Like, I can't imagine anytime you're fleeing from, like, you know, a, a psychopath that you'd be like, and now I just have to row across this. Yeah. Part. Like, oh, it's got to be. That's the best case scenario. Yeah. It might be number two as far as all time movie rowboat scenes where, like, right behind the Godfather. <laughs> well, <where> well <laughs> number one. Oh, I was going to say the best rowboat scene was obviously Bird Box. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair <laughs> yeah obviously yeah i'm but, sorry uh, i'm way the, off brand today <laughs> um not since uh it's not a rug bazaar from <clears throat> velvet buzzsaw <laughs> yes have i heard a line that i loved more than have you ever eaten cat meat <laughs> fuck do you know have you ever eaten cat meat mean cat food no the meat of a cat no no man i never ate any cat meat well it makes you invisible did you know that <laughs> it's the best meth conversation it's going to be the best the best pickup line ever it's very true i'm sorry i don't mean to bother you but have you ever eaten cat meat <laughs> p.s this is how that book ends <laughs> <laughs> but oh my god this end scene like it 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 doesn't come out of nowhere because i know the director well enough or like i know his style well enough that he you know obviously loves this type of horrific violence and there's some of it like we were saying leading up to it but man does this turn into like easily right up there with some of the other scenes that jeremy saw near the movies that he's done like the green green room or hold the dark or these other really violent movies and this one is like straight up tarantino-esque uh, you know, it kind of feels like a true romance, like obviously it's Tarantino written, but like true romance, Reservoir Dogs, like that kind of like nasty or like, uh, did, have you seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood yet? No, I didn't. The end of that scene. Is that, is, is that, that's Goldie Hawn? <laughs> no, uh, it's Margot no, oh, Robbie. Okay, then no. That kind no. of energy though. Um, yeah. But th- it, there's a whole scene in there that like a, a standoff in a house that has uh, dogs killing people and flame flamethrowers lighting people on fire, and this is Ooh. probably like it's it's the buffoon's version of this because as we were saying, like the violence isn't just like this stylized stuff. It's mostly no. like, hey, this is realistic and also incredibly gro- like grotesque and violent the well, way it would happen. Y- yeah. What I loved about this kind of violence, and it, for me, it, it reminded me a lot of that movie, The Strangers. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's that realistic, um, sort of accessible violence. So, it, you know, it's happening in your home. It's not happening in this fantasy sort of situation. It's happening in the comfort of your home. And more importantly, in close proximity. I love it. It's... I, you know, when you're standing only, you know, a few feet uh, apart from somebody who's clearly, you know, got a weapon and you're like, all right, well, this is going to go one of two ways. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm yeah. either going to, you know, not get stabbed right. or get stabbed a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, and I also, we should all be so lucky uh, to have a fireplace big enough to be forced into. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I, I think that's that's how we'll know we've made it. That house and the grounds are gorgeous. Oh, 
I mean, you know, they were before the <laughs> lawn tiger got taken. It's very but. true. Though they saved the giraffe. Yeah. B- big ups to uh, Elijah Wood for having <laughs> her steer clear of the, the giraffe. giraffe. Yeah, because it's not only it, it's not only smart to you know try to avoid trying to do it all together, but giraffe specific because that that whole vehicle is not you're not stealing the giraffe so you would have just had to only rip it to shreds and you know if you're going to take one tiger tiger is a good backseat filler it's good backseat filler and like later when people are in your yard and like is that a fucking lawn tiger you'd be like oh my god you've got to hear this story it's true like you know you can't do that with a giraffe that you had to you know cut in half just to fit in the car right It's but, not as not as re- practical a souvenir. But I just love the sequence of this whole ending, the, the whole shootout slash violence that ensues. Oh. So it's basically, it starts with Dez, who is fucking insane and somehow really great with weapons. Uh, Dez shoots off Chris Sr.'s hand. Marshall shoots the security guy. Ruth can't stop vomiting, which is always funny. <laughs> and it wasn't in like a cartoonish way it wasn't like a whole heap of it but it was just so repeated well enough that i was just in the whole time and then yes a- yes and then marshall opens the safe to no cash then des tries to shoot the parents dead but instead she's hit in the cheek with a ninja star from, from when tony oh. makes his entrance then Dez stabs Tony in the gut repeatedly, like in an animalistic. That scene close for violence. me, which which comedian was it, by the way, who talks about being stabbed? Like you got to watch it go in. Like I don't want to get stabbed because you just see it go in. You're like, no, no. <laughs> like you just, I don't know. I don't think I've heard so, that one. I I can't. I'll figure it out. Um, Honestly, but, uh, feels like a Dane Cook premise, and I don't say that in like any negative tone. It, it, I, it sounds no, like it, early it Dane been. Cook. It very well could yeah. have been. Yes, it very well could have been. Um, but oh my god, the way he was stabbed! Like you felt it. You felt it, and you're like, no, oh god, no. <laughs> Especially because he gets backed into like a pillar in the living room, and it just is nasty. Oh. And you see it from behind her and his freak out it's so damn good Uh, and then yeah and and honestly that's why i had the pillars removed from my living room (laughs) that's true you need that extra space to not die (laughs) yeah totally and then in again a realistic fashion marshall's gun accidentally shoots des dead after she tried to shoot uh ruth and that gun that they set up from that when they first purchased the guns that it was yes, a shitty the gun they're like yep. whatever you know what yep. it's only a stand-up yep. like or uh excuse me a hold-up like you they're just for show like this is all you can afford and it fucking yeah. bites them in the ass and i love that they set that up well enough which by the way shout yep. out to um the guy that they bought the guns from is Derek mears who uh is the is jason Voorhees in the newer uh friday the 13th movies <gasps> Oh yeah! You love my little wow. nerd notes. Look at you. Yeah, yeah. So then, obviously, the after they shoot Des dead, you know, Marshall's down because you know they took care of him well enough that he's like limping and dragging, bleeding. Oh yeah. They limp off. They go into the woods, and that to and you know Ruth leaves Tony in the woods to draw Marshall out. She falls in water, and the snake slithers by her without attacking. Then Ruth confronts Marshall, knocks him down, and the snake kills him. That's pretty insane. And obviously, we mentioned the rowboats is the in-between part. So but that's like an incredible sequence. Right before, yeah, but also like right before he's like ultimately killed by a snake is the is the awkward cat meat conversation. Yes, like, yeah. Could you imagine like right before? Like, you know, again, you know, something's going to happen. Yeah. You're either going to get killed or you're going to be responsible for killing somebody. And then it's, have you ever eaten cat meat? And you're like, what? No? <laughs> what? And then, and then it sort of picks up again. Yeah. And death. But yeah. Um, you know who he reminded think- me of? The guy who played Marshall, the one you were saying, the cat meat guy. 
He, yeah. He absolutely yeah. reminds me of a character that Dennis Hopper would have played in like the 70s and 80s. Oh. Like just this. I could see that. Nasty, weirdo, drugged up, just saying the craziest shit. It feels like it has Hopper written all over it. And he, this guy's really good. Like I looked up his IMDb and there's not a, a ton of stuff there. He was actually in a movie that I considered uh, doing an episode with you with. Uh, and actually was oh. suggested from your friend, our friend, Sarah, said <gasps> that Mel should do this movie. Did you watch Rattlesnake? Oh, I started to. Okay. it's it's. I don't remember what happened. I don't remember why I yeah, didn't finish. It's definitely a movie that has you written all over for how dumb it oh. is at moments, but also violent and weird and crazy. So it's got... Yes. It's got all the hallmarks. So I, I definitely, uh, you have friends in your corner who try to get you to do the same things that I do. So you should know that. Uh, shout out to Sarah for that. Uh, shout out to Sarah for sure. She's like, this is traumatizing. You know who would love this. Yeah. <laughs> now, here's here's one thing I do need to know. Uh, now, obviously, we went to basically the end of the movie. Uh, we even said like, oh yeah, she didn't get ID'd, all that. Uh, so the end, end, end of the movie is her having a picnic at her mm-hmm. house and it is revealed that Tony survived. Now, Right, but here's the sad part. He never fucking got a haircut. That's <laughs> totally fair. Although, I don't know. Like, did you know I how see like when you time? finally start dating? Yeah. It was there. I saw it okay. because I was like, oh, they're dating now. She can finally convince him to get his hair cut. Right. And like it never happened. Well, it, it definitely makes for a better scene because like it's kind of that in between where he's still him, but he's in like that suburban powder blue, you know, kind of, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, what's the word yes. I'm looking for? What's what's that type of shirt? Polo shirt. Uh, that he has on that it just makes him look like this suburban dad but he's still an idiot he's he's been domesticated yeah Yeah. oh yeah and she's loving every minute i I love that sequence that they trail off with where he's like no no you squeeze the juice out of the burgers it's like no 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 you keep that in you idiot he's like no 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 you squeeze them out it makes better and he's just like ruining burgers it's such a perfect way to end that movie yes Yes, everything about this movie was was incredible. It was it, everything. It was everything. Yeah. Now, the only thing is because they put kind of the halo effect on them. When I first watched the movie, I was like, so is this a delusion or is it actually going on? I'm hoping it's just straight up because why not? This movie, there's no lessons to be learned from this movie. It just is like spiraling out of control vigilante justice shit. So why not? Why not keep him alive? Yeah, and but I kind of like at the end, you know, uh, so her friend, uh, Angie, yeah. or whatever, mm-hmm. says, you know, just you got to just take care of yourself. And she's like, you got all the time in the world. And Ruthie's like, I don't even know what that means. You know? And she's and like, I'm yeah, like, it's just something point. people say. <laughs> it's, it's a, she's such a fair yeah. weather shitty friend that that was an actual perfectly done back and forth at the end. Yeah, but also I kind of liked, well, you know how much I love when things don't get resolved. Yes. So I loved that it was sort of like, you know, yeah, I mean, like everything worked out. You know, she kind of got the guy. Yeah. Like he's domesticated now. They're they're kind of living this suburban fantasy. Yeah. And yet nothing got resolved. People are still assholes. Yep. And like the detective is like, oh, you know, like <laughs> me and the wife are going to try to make it work. Job. And me and the wife are going to make like people are still dicks. Yeah. Like here she is sort of looking at her man and, you know, and he's got the halo effect around him and everything. And I sort of looked at it as like, you know, at first you're like, oh, is he dead? Is he like, you know, looking down on her, yeah. you know, from heaven or whatever? And then you're like, oh, no, it's just, you know, the sunlight and the heat from the grill and whatever. Right. And in this moment where she should have just been like, you know, sort of at peace, it was sort of like, eh, you know, this is as good as it's going to get because everyone's a fucking asshole. Yeah. You know, and I just, I, I loved it. I loved it. And I love the fact that this episode was a love fest. 
I love that. I because I had such hopes, like that. I was like, I'm serving this to you on a platter, hoping that it, it was going to have the effect that it did on you, and it 100 percent worked. And I'm it's, so happy. I oh, it was it was just delightful it was delightful <laughs> well so are you my dear and oh. uh, every time that you're on it's always so much fun um i normally end these things especially with my comedian friend saying hey what do you got coming up <laughs> but as the world is well, shut down uh, until summertime basically uh you know are you doing anything well, exciting if you got yeah uh, you can see me uh, tomorrow in my living room, um, homeschooling, <laughs> uh, and uh, we will be working on counting money mm. in different denominations and uh, writing a short how-to book about camping. Oh, yes. So uh, that's where I'll be. Will there be an accompanying um, YouTube video that your son is now uh, so into? He, well, and his biggest struggle right now is like, he's so, and, and like, I, I, you know, at 40 years old, I'm still like, I don't know if I know what I want to be when I grow right. up yet. <laughs> yes. But I love, I love that he is like, I'm seven, I've got to figure this out, you know, <laughs> and he's like, but he's so determined. He's like, when I am a YouTuber, and he says it like just like it's, it's always, so matter of factly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's very matter of fact. But like he'll be like, "Well, I mean, maybe I could be a YouTuber and, you know, uh, like an acrobat <laughs> or like a YouTuber. It's always a YouTuber and, and like yeah. I could be a YouTuber and and you know a horse tamer, right?" You know, you're like what i don't like or you could just have a job that isn't on youtube yeah my daughter that could be a thing my daughter started out that way whereas like when they first asked her what she wanted to be she's like oh i want to be a veterinarian because i love animals and then it became like yeah yeah yeah, i'm gonna do the veterinarian thing but now i want to do also this so she's also like a veget <laughs> a veterinarian plus you know uh, a princess or a veget—I uh, keep saying vegetarian instead of veterinarian. Uh, veterinarian and like you know, she can be both, Andrew. Yeah, yeah, and a ballerina or whatever. My daughter is weirdly very girly, girly, but also loves like we had dirt delivered to our house to fill in a garden, and she's just like all about just she was covered head to toe in dirt all day, didn't give a shit, and you know she's. She's great. Wow. I love her. She's that perfect mix. Yeah. Um, Zavi, I don't know. He went for a, a walk in the woods with his brother today, and they found an old rusty chair in the woods. <laughs> oh, perfect. And they came, I know, they came back, and Linus had taken all these pictures, and it's Zavi standing next to a rusty chair in the woods, like, like it was like his kill. Like he was sort of like he was so he was so proud of this rusty chair, and I was like, oh, gross. Yeah, I don't, Remember how I like the of notion this. of like just even a, a possibility of knowing a homeschool kid was like those kids end up fucking weird. Now we're gonna have a whole generation that had to do it forever. It feels like yeah, now, no, and we're all gonna be fucking. Do you weird. know? No, see, I feel like the ones that are weird are the ones whose parents are like, you have to focus. I need you to listen to me. Right. You know, and they're really like hammering home the school. I'm going the complete opposite. I'm sort of doing that like, you know, like um, it's sort of more like rehab where like you send <laughs> your kids like into the woods to play with rusty chairs yes. and like they figure out what the lesson is. And then they come home and they're like, now my finger is green and you're like, and that is what an infection is. <laughs> Science, you know. <laughs> and then he becomes a field yeah, medic for a, for the next yeah, world war that's going to happen. You're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing more irritating than the Facebook posts, you know, from people who are like, you know, we're taking homeschooling, you know, uh, to the store today. Um, I asked my child how much money they needed to buy the, like, Go fuck yourself. Yeah. <laughs> like 
Not everything has to be school. No. Okay? And especially nobody, for these kids nobody, who are in fucking crisis right now. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, ease, ease up on the school. Like, you're learning a lot of life lessons right now. Yeah. That's what, what it's about. Like, but, how much plant milk can I buy? <laughs> all of it. All. I have all the plant milk. <laughs> because there are no laws anymore. <laughs> no, there are no laws. If you are missing any grain... Um, I own it. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah. What's wrong? Can't fi- can't find oatmeal. I have it. <laughs> so much of it. Yeah. I have so much. All right. Well, <laughs> now that we got to the real heart of the matter of how much grain, <laughs> the silo. If you're looking for Mel's house, just look for the one with the silo in the middle of the woods. <laughs> oh my God! I'm so sorry, everyone. About. <laughs> about all the grain <laughs> all right thank you so much mel i appreciate you for doing this uh i'm so glad that you liked this movie oh my god i loved it thank you for this this was the best quarantine gift ever <laughs> it's better than a rusty chair <laughs>